Welcome to Conversations with Anne Elizabeth, the podcast inspired by my book, I'm a Registered Dietitian, Now What?, where I have the absolute joy to sit back, relax, and have a conversation about nutrition with a variety of people who share their personal story of passion and purpose, especially registered dietitians. Today's conversation is very special for me. I am featuring Lissa Joy Dobbins, also known as the Guilt-Free RD, who has a passion for education through good communication of sound science, smart nutrition, and good food. When I transitioned from a clinical dietitian to a retail dietitian, there was a huge learning curve and a new and unknown aspect of my job I was completely unfamiliar with, and that was media. I remember when I learned I was going to provide nutrition communications via television, radio, and newspaper articles, I think I about fell over. As I got into doing more with media, I also stumbled upon a few videos of an Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics media spokesperson, and I started watching more of her work to learn more. We then connected through Midwest Dairy a few years later, and I truly have been a fan ever since following her great work and resources she provides her dietitian friends. Her Soundbites podcast inspired me to start my own, and I feel very lucky to have this connection and conversation with her. Please enjoy my conversation with Melissa Joy. Enjoy your time. I, um, I had a phone call this morning with another podcaster because... As you know, I'm speaking at Fancy on podcasting, so yes. I'm interviewing people, and I know you're on our list, but I didn't get to interview you about just, you know, your show and uh, what learnings we can share with the Fancy attendees about podcasting. That's going to be a great, I think that's a great, um, I hope you guys have a lot of people come for that because I think there's a lot of newer dietitians thinking about going into podcasting. So you'll be able to share a lot of great information. Yeah, I hope so. And it's, I think it's great that you're interviewing other podcasters too, just to see everybody does things a little bit differently everywhere. Oh my gosh, absolutely. And I have to tell you that that's what got me so excited about the session. Um, Kate Agnew and Marie Ferguson from Dietitian Podcast or Dietitian Podcast Podcast, wait, Dietitian Connection Podcast, mm -hmm. uh, you know, had reached out to me and said, Hey, you know, we want to submit a fancy session. Would you do it with us? And they're just lovely people. I'm like, sure. And, you know how it is. I'm like, oh, you know, I'm thinking it probably won't get accepted. And, and then it did. And I was like, mm -hmm. oh, wow, well, that's awesome. And um, <laughs> I mean, you know, I had contributed to the submission and everything, but, you know, just almost kind of, I don't want to say forgot about it, but just, you know, you don't, you, you just got to move forward and keep going because very few sessions get selected at Fancy. So I was really yes. surprised and excited when I got accepted. And um, the, areas that I get to focus on is so great because like Kate gets to deal with all the technology and I'm like, have fun with that. Um, I'm helping her, but you know, it's just, a, <laughs> as you know, it's a painful aspect of the whole uh, podcasting world, especially in my podcasting world. But um, I get to get into things like um, how do you make it engaging and, you know, some of the more like branding, vision, monetizing aspects of it. And so I was just like, oh, goody, goody, I'm going to talk to my friends and other podcasters and, you know, find out what their secrets and struggles are and share that with the group. So I just, that's the fun part. Well, for and me. I think it's great with when you do presenting at Fancy, do you do get a buddy up with somebody that maybe has some different expertise, but has this under the same umbrella of a topic? 
Yeah, it is really fun. Um, I really like that aspect. It makes it a little challenging because most sessions are an hour and a half, I believe. Um, so when you, when you, well, maybe they're an hour. Did they change it? An no, it's an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. It's an hour and a half. Yeah. Was, but so between like the, the moderator, you know, the, the person who kicks off the session and then the two speakers, um, and then time for Q and A, which as you know, I'm a speaker coach. So I'm a stickler about do not go over time. <laughs> Make sure there's plenty of time for Q and A. I know how hard that is, but you know, you've got to do this. So you really have to be careful about how much time you have and how much you're trying to cover during that time because it goes fast. It does go. I did, I did, I did present, but with two other people on dietitian careers and I was so shocked how fast the time goes. It's yeah. If you've you got, if you really have three people talking, I mean, you're looking at maybe 20, 20 minutes. minutes. I mean, that's yes. cool. nothing, nothing. Yes. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, uh, the, that's the biggest challenge I think sometimes is making, you know, okay, you can't just like with our patients and clients one-on-one, I can't give you everything I know about diabetes in an hour. No. And if I try <laughs> to do that, it will not be a good session. Like it's, it's not good for anybody. No. And they leave with their eyes just like huge Glazed going over. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, what just happened? <laughs> what is the title of your session at Fancy? It is a podcast. Tune into the perfect value add for dietitians. And what day are you presenting? It is Sunday. I believe that's the 21st. Sunday, 3.30 to 5. Okay. Well, hopefully this this is going to be released before Fenzy. So definitely anyone listening, I hope hope they jump into your session because it's going to be a great one to attend. Thank you. Yeah. Well, so let's, we kind of talked about, you know, what, what you're doing right now and your daughter, your first daughter, child going to college, correct? Yes. Yes. <laughs> big, big, big changes around here, I think. Yeah. I As, is she going somewhere close? She, yeah, not, not too far. Uh, about two and a half, more likely three hours with traffic. Um, so I feel like it's a good distance, not too far, not too close. <laughs> Yes. I, I always said I wanted to go like just enough that I could still bring laundry home. <laughs> See, I'm like, no, 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 no. Well, so my mother lives in the town where she's going to school, um, oh. which just happens to kind of be a coincidence. Um, but so I told my mom, she, especially the first semester. She's not doing laundry at your house on the weekend. She's not, you're not, she's not hanging at your house all weekend. She's got to stay there and put her roots down and make something out. Yeah. It's so funny. Well, when I went to college, I was six hours away, no car. Oh, wow. It didn't bother me at all. But when we started looking at schools for my daughter, she was looking at Mizzou because that's where I did my graduate work. And she had gone there. And of course, that's the University of Missouri, Columbia. She had gone to Columbia, Missouri with me almost a year ago. I was doing a media training for dietitians and dietetic students. And she came along to do a little college visit. And she loved the campus. She loved the school. But I was like, that's like seven hours from where we live. I don't know. And that's just for as a parent, not because I would be worried, but like that's a long drive if we would just want to like, sure. you know, go and see her or mm-hmm. have her come out. It's just, it's a far distance, you know? So I was like, yes. Mm. Yeah. Like, not that far. And you know your child. So you know probably what would be the best situation too. You know, it's hard. I mean, it, you have to think about 
they're a different person. And if it's one thing I've learned as a parent, uh, you know, I have my experience and what, this is how I put it. This is like, this is what I think is normal. This is my normal. Melissa's normal. And I understand that that's not everybody's normal, but it's, it's what I know. And my husband has a completely different, you know, it's Mark's normal. And then we have to deal with Sarah's normal. And so I just try to be thoughtful and share my experience, not saying, look, this is how it was for me. This is how it's going to be for you. But just say, this is, this is what I see. This is what I think. You might have a different, you know, opinion or experience. So sure. it's fun though. <laughs> Which I think you apply that to your, you know, just your business and your podcast and how you educate, you know, other professionals as well with your media training. I think you would kind of apply that to all your your parts of your life. That's true. Yeah, it is kind of my personality to um, to kind of be open and honest and vulnerable about, you know, well, this is what worked for me, but that doesn't you know, you could have a different approach, um, you know, done a lot of mentoring with dietitians and just, you know, kind of like, well, this is how my career went, but that doesn't mean that's the same path that you should take, you know, but there are some sort of core themes that, you know, like, Hey, if you, if you follow what you're really interested in, you will end up on the path to where you are going and where you're supposed to be going. So, um, you know, that could look, a lot of different ways for different people. So that's true. And that's, I think in our profession, don't you feel like you have to have that mindset because our profession changes constantly. I mean, you've been in the profession for how many years now? Uh, my first job out of grad school was 93. So 25 years. Yeah. So, I mean, you probably have seen so many things change in the dietetics profession. Oh, yes. yes. <laughs> no, I feel like a dinosaur. Thank you. No. Oh, gosh, no. No, I feel like it's just starting to get good at like 25 years is what I, or, you know, like yeah. I'm at 18. Yeah. So I feel like, well, it's just kind of starting to get good. Or I feel like maybe I'm more comfortable in mm-hmm. that space. Yeah. Yeah. No, lots has, lots, lots has changed. How do I say that? A lot has changed. And yeah, I would say it's, it's, it's all for the best. Um, I can't think of anything that's like, oh, yeah, I wish it was like the good old days. Um, you know, I, yeah. I, back in the day. No, um, yeah, I think it's, it's very exciting time for dietitians and just the nutrition space. I think there's so many opportunities and, um, you know, pe- people, the public consumers, they are paying more attention to nutrition. And yeah, there's, they're getting all kinds of, information and misinformation out in the media and social media, but they're paying attention and they want, they want more information. So that's really exciting. It is exciting. So kind of speaking of just kind of where you began, how did you get interested in dietetics and take me through kind of like you said, you had your first job in 93. Let's kind of go back and, and kind of revisit your journey so far. Okay. I will, I'll try to, be concise about it and you can poke and prod where you want to know more. Um, I, I, um, I would say I got interested in nutrition. Um, I think it just kind of happened in little bits and pieces, but I went to a performing arts high school for ballet and I remembered thinking back 
um, there should be someone here to talk uh, talk to us about nutrition and food and diets, of course, dieting. Um, and there should be someone here to talk to us about our feelings. So I, I was a sophomore in high school and it was like going to a boarding school. So, you know, it was basically, you know, you're, you're not living at home, you're living at the school. And so it was, it was a huge change and I was pretty young, but I was kind of a mature kid. I guess I, I was kind of a, a goody two shoes, if you will. But I saw a lot of crazy stuff going on around me and I was like, what is happening? And I guess that sort of planted the seed. I mean, I remember being at dinner, you know, we, we danced, you know, eight to 10 hours a day. And I remember being at dinner and I loved milk. I was, a, I was a big milk drinker. And so I had this nice big glass of cold milk and I was drinking it. And my friend, now, and I say friend, she was actually my friend. There weren't a lot of friends there. But my friend, mm. who thought she was helping me, said, you know, you would lose more weight if you didn't drink all that milk. And and I, I, oh. I swear to you, I remember it like it was yesterday being so confused by that. I was like, that's just, what? That's strange. How, wow. That doesn't even compute. I don't understand. Like, and I knew about calories and stuff, but it just was such a bizarre, like, thing for me. Like, I just thought, what, what, what could be that about milk, you know? Um, so, you know, I just remember little things like that along the way, but now I'm making a, a long story longer and I, I was trying not to do that. So, um, after the dance academy, I went back to normal high school and instead of, you know, becoming a ballerina decided I was going to go to college and all that happened kind of fast. So I went to three different high schools. Um, I only went to three years of high school. And so after my sophomore year, all of a sudden I was a senior. I had to take the ACTs. I had to learn to drive and it was just all kind of a whirlwind. It was very, very, Oh yeah. my God. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I was a new girl my senior year. That was not fun. Thank goodness. My brother had been there, um, for a year already and we ended up graduating together my brother's so cool and awesome and people everybody loved him so that made my life a little bit more bearable but anyway um so i was like okay i what am i i'm going to just even going to college was a huge shift for me mentally uh which sounds weird but it, it was the truth that i grew up in an artsy family it was not like a strange foreign thing for us to think that I might actually pursue a career in the arts, you know, just a lot of families would be like, Whoa, that, I don't know. Mm -hmm. But my family was like, okay, you know, so, um, so I, I like, okay, I'm going to college. What am I going to major in? And I had this great chemistry teacher and I did really well in that subject. And I thought, Oh, okay. Um, science, chemistry, uh, I'll go in as a chemistry major planning to go into pharmacy. Well, after a couple of semesters, I was like, this is not what I'm passionate about at all. And I wanted to work with people. So when you combine science and people, the college counselor said, um, well, how about dietetics? Now, I tell this story and it's true. I, I literally said, is what, what is that? Isn't that a book by L. Ron Hubbard? Like, no, that's Dianetics. <laughs> and I was still like, I don't get it, whatever. But, um, I took a couple classes and, and I was hooked. So that's, uh, that's how I got interested in nutrition. Um, yeah. Wow. And then basically I did my undergrad and I went straight into graduate school. Um, because even then I knew like, I, 
education was what I really wanted to do. And you hear this a lot. A lot of people are like, yeah, I knew clinical wasn't for me. I, I didn't really know that clinical wasn't for me, but I just knew that education was, was where it was at for me. So I went straight on and got my master's in nutrition education. But my first job out of school was a clinical job. I moved to Chicago and started working in South Chicago as a clinical dietitian. And that was uh, an eye opener. That was a, was a very interesting first job. Um, and then I became an outpatient dietitian in um, the suburbs. And I loved that job. I was there five years. I always say that was my favorite job. I got to do um, you know, outpatient counseling on a variety of topics. I got to do community programs, corporate wellness. Um, my first day on that job, I was on TV, which is another funny story. Oh, my like, gosh. Yeah. Please tell me that story because okay. that is so intimidating to be on TV. It was, it was like, and so it's, you know, this was, this was 1995. I had just gotten married and, you know, still I had a couple years of clinical under my belt, but I was still a very new dietitian. First day on the job, there's a group of about 10 dietitians, all inpatient except for me. I was outpatient and we were at lunch and the boss comes to the table and says, Chicago Land TV is coming to the, uh, hospital who's going to do this uh, interview. By the way, the topic was men's health. And we're like, oh, geez, okay, we're all <laughs> young ladies here. We don't really know about yeah. men's health. You know, it couldn't be like diabetes or heart disease or something that we were a little bit, you know, more familiar with. But, and keep in mind, so I'm in Chicago. So the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics, which was the American Dietetic Association, is right here. So, um, you know, Chicago, third largest, third largest media market. TV stations coming, who's going to do it? And everybody just, instead of just even looking at her and pausing, everybody was like, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. And I just looked at these dietitians and I was like, I can't believe they're so insubordinate. I can't believe they're saying no to the boss, you know? And um, I've lightened up a lot since mm-hmm. then. But at the time I was just like, this is so wrong. And so I was like, I guess I'll do it. And, you know, I was like, somebody's got to do it. Uh, I'll say yes. I had no idea what I was getting into. And um, uh, the, the TV station came. Well, I, well, the funny other thing is that, again, it's 1995. So we faxed, we asked the Academy, which again was ADA at the time, for information to do the interview. And they faxed us information. Okay, so. <laughs> That's a while ago. <laughs> we for email and stuff like that. Well, I guess, I mean, we weren't. We weren't really in, you know, full-fledged using email then. But so, yeah, so they faxed it to us. And um, I don't remember what the questions were, what the talking points were. I remember I was wearing my lab coat and standing by the salad bar, which doesn't seem, I don't know, it just seems weird. Um, and unfortunately, I swear to God, I have... You know, I've done over 200 live TV interviews in my career. I've done multiple hundreds of radio interviews and taped segments and video you know, videos. That's the one segment I, I don't, I don't, I think it got ruined in a flood. Um, I, I can't find that video cassette anywhere. Oh, and oh gosh, what I wouldn't give to see that and laugh, <laughs> but it was pretty fun. It was, I was like, like, okay, like, was it something that you were like, oh, this is, I really enjoy this. You know, I don't remember what I felt about it other than, well, 
someone's got to do it. Um, that happened. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know, another day on the job. Um, but I can tell you that I started then doing more um, print interviews, like so the lo- local newspapers and magazines and a little bit of radio while I was an outpatient dietitian. And I remember thinking, I must have liked it because um, I remember thinking, oh, you know, how do I do more of this? Uh, now, I, sh- I should back up. In graduate school, I worked at the state extension office. So I did do some newspaper interviews uh, there. So I had a little bit of Experience. Um, training from my boss. Yeah, about like, this is how this is how you look up credible information. And um, here's a shout out to Melinda Hemmelgarn. She was my boss at the state extension office. And she's a very well known dietitian uh, who has her own podcast, Food Sleuth Radio. So um, she's the one who kind of, you know, first was like, here's how you do a media interview. Um, so <laughs> I'm making this story way longer than it no, needs to be. No, I but. love it. It's a part of who you are. So this is great. <laughs> so uh, I remember thinking, well, how do I do more of this in my job at a hospital? You know, I didn't um, just didn't know, like, how, how, do, you know, how do I do this? So I got some mentoring from a dietitian, just, you know, a connection through a friend. And I thought her, I, I thought her advice was horrible, and so I vowed that I would never, never do this, and I and I don't. Um, she, it, it's funny. Her advice was horrible, yet it is something that I did end up doing and benefiting from. But I think it's the way she she put it. Basically, she said, "You need to um, become. You need to go to like the Chicago Dietetic Association meetings and the Illinois Dietetic Association meetings. You need to become a state media rep." and go through that channel. And ironically, so that was, you know, like mid, like probably around 1997. Well, ironically, I became a state media rep probably around 2007. (laughs) So like 10 years later, (laughs) I kind of did that, but, you know, in a very circuitous way. But what I needed to hear from her and what I tell people that I mentor is, Look, this is one way that either I did it or that, you know, you could do it, but it's not the only way. There are other ways. Because what I took away from what she said was, that's how you do it. That's that's the only way. There's no other way to do this, Um, which Mm -hmm. isn't what happened at all. What happened to me was three years later, I became the supermarket dietitian at the major grocery chain in Chicago. And having had some media experience, I'm confident, is what helped me land that job. Well, once I got that job, I was doing weekly TV segments. It was like just crazy amount of interviews. And um, I, I, then I got official training and you know went from being a supermarket dietitian spokesperson uh, for about three years, then to being a dairy council spokesperson for eight years, and that's when I become a state became a state media rep, and then eventually became an academy spokesperson. And so it's like, you know, I always share this visual that that I came up with that that I see um, when when I became an entrepreneur, and I thought. I don't have like this North star vision. I I don't have like this major goal. I can just see what's in front of me. And I feel like it's like you're driving a car in the dark and 
you, your headlights are on, but you can't see past those headlights, but you can see what's there and you use that information to, do I turn a little to the right? Do I turn a little to the left? Do I swerve here? Do I make a UE, you know, whatever, um, to, to make the best decision you can with the information that you have. And when you keep doing that and then you turn around and you look at where you came from and where you are now, it all makes perfect sense. But at the time, you're, you're kind of like, hmm, where's this, where's this lead? Where's this going? Where am I going? Sure. What am I doing? <laughs> Which you probably thought, like, you probably didn't think, I don't know, you know, I think media is hard because I think at any waking moment as a dietitian, you could be called for media. And even in a hospital setting, like people don't realize that it can happen at any time. And even if you don't think you like it, it's probably a good idea to be curious about it. Yeah, well... And so you've, you've mentioned a couple of times, uh, like, and maybe cause you know, this is something that I share that again, I'm being completely honest, but it kind of surprises people. I do not love doing media. Uh, I talk to a lot of dietitians who love it. They love being on TV. They love that. They love this. And I did it and do it because it's important. Um, so I never really got that. I, I want to say like uh, the media high, like the runner's high. I, I never, I never got that. Uh, but I just, I came from a communications background and I, when I look at, you know, education is communication. So this is, this is why I love doing communications, coaching, media training, speaker training, um, any kind of nutrition communications training for dietitians is because, you know, we're all communicators because we're educators. And there are ways to take your skills to the next level and to hone those skills and to be more compelling and to be more concise and to just be a better you and, you know, elevate the visibility of a dietitian, the the image of a dietitian, help the public um, and, and get, you know, credible information out there. Take that spotlight away from the celebrity experts. Mm-hmm. And I say, quote unquote, experts, <laughs> yes. you know, um, so that's kind of my whole, you know, platform is how do we get more dietitians out there? And so being a trainer is much more fulfilling to me than doing the actual communications myself. Now, of course, I, I, try very hard to do a great job of it because I want to represent our profession well and I want to get accurate information out. But do I love it? No. But I love helping dietitians do it. And if they love it, even better. Sure. Well, and I think that's a good point because you. I feel like you had to go through all that to get to this point that you wanted to educate, but to also understand the ins and outs of media to be Mm -hmm. an expert to educate people on it. Mm-hmm. But it's not easy. Yeah. It's not an easy thing to do. It's it's not easy. Um, and I think a lot of what I bring to my media trainings, um, which is, this is why I prefer in-person group trainings versus something like an e-course or something virtual. I do a limited amount of one-on-one coaching. I don't really advertise that. <laughs> I guess the cat's out of the bag now, but um, <laughs> because my schedule doesn't really allow for that. But I, if somebody really wants to work with me, they have a very focused need or goal that I know that I can help them with. I will Skype with them. I'll phone call with them. I'll, you know, I've had people come to my house um, 
and do, you know, in-person training with me. Um, but I prefer this, the group dynamic. I'm more of a facilitator. It's in my blood. My dad was that. Um, he was a speech communications teacher, an actor, director, playwright. Oh, wow. I grew up watching him. And that's where I love um, helping people meet their goals and we learn from each other. And a lot of, so a lot, most of my experience is live on camera TV. And I feel like if you can do live on camera TV, those skills will help you on a radio interview, on a podcast, writing an article even, or doing video. So I sort of feel like, okay, if you can do that and you really hone those skills, then those skills are transferable and you can use them in other areas. So I really focus my trainings on those interview skills. So we do mock interviews. We practice um, my favorite skill, which is bridging, which is if, if you don't know and you're listening, uh, it's, it's when you get a question that you don't want to answer for, it could be, you know, a variety of reasons. It could be uh, you only have three minutes and that's kind of off topic and it's going to take way too much time and you want to stay focused on your topic. It could be there's not a short and simple answer. It could be you don't know the answer. It could be it's confrontational or controversial. So there's a variety of reasons why you may not want to answer that question and go down that road. But you can't just ignore it and just be a talking head. And, and you know, pe people watching would be like, that's weird. What is that person doing? <laughs> What you just said. Yeah, which if you if you watch some political shows, you will say, Oh, they need to learn how to bridge because they're they're <laughs> acting like an idiot. Um okay, I shouldn't say um they're making me crazy, right? So what what you learn is how to address the question and then transition to your main point. So a very common example would be um like I'm not see the, the best way to say this. Uh, a comment or one of the best examples would be, I don't know, but what I can tell you is this. Now, yes, you're saying you don't know, which could mean I don't I don't know the answer to that, or I don't know about that. You know, it could mean a lot of things. But you're saying what I can tell you is this. What you're saying is, I hear what you're saying. I'm addressing that. That's not as important as what this is or what you really need to know is this. So it's, it's, it's a really effective technique for, um, communicators to stay focused on topic. And there's a whole reason why that's important versus falling into the Q and A trap that I call. And that's what I call it. Um, you know, it, it's easy for us to do that because we're yeah. educators. People ask questions and we give them answers. So it's really tempting for us to just do this Q and A back and forth, and then your three minute segment or your ten minute segment, or you know, radio or whatever is over, and you've shared a lot of random information, but it wasn't concise and coordinated and organized and packaged up in a way for the audience to really benefit from it. So there's a lot that goes into that, um, and a lot of well, some of that can be done uh, not face to face. Um, but what I like to do with my trainings is <laughs> I give a lot of homework. I have people, um, you know, fill out questionnaires. I have them, um, I have a, a messaging worksheet that I created that has all the bells and whistles from A to Z, like organizing your ideas and putting them in 
a, an order that makes sense, that flows well, um, cutting out the extra information, taking the facts and making them more interesting through stories and analogies and things like that. So there's just so, there's so much more than meets the eye. And I find that, um, again, the group in-person trainings is, is just, that's, that's what I love to do. And I think that's, I think we all need different ways to learn. And I don't, I guess like, you know, with the new age of, like you said, how things have changed with webinars and, and things like that. I feel like the energy from in-person training is what really gets people excited about media too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And there's certainly, you know, webinars are great and, and e-courses. I put a lot of thought into, yeah, I could reach more people. I could help more people if I did an e-course. Um, but I just felt that it, it, I would be, uh, I would be giving a lower quality product. And I, you know what? I want to give what I think is the gold standard. And if that means, you know, fewer people have access to it. I mean, there is only one of me, but there's other dietitians who do virtual trainings and, you know, we need, we need all hands on deck. We need, there's a, I can't train every dietitian that's out there. So it's nice that there's a variety of ways to, to get information and to learn and to, to, to build those skills. How did you, so I know that you said that you did your outpatient, um, and you, you focused, I know that you had, a, you have a passion for diabetes as well. Yes. And then I guess I kind of want to know, how did you transition from that outpatient and doing education, diabetes into the space where you do speaking and you do trainings and you, I mean, like that's kind of a huge leap to kind of transition to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yes. Yeah, so the, a lot of stuff sort of happened in the middle that I'll fill you in on, but yes, thank you for mentioning. I love diabetes. <laughs> and I was at a Chicago mini meeting last night for nutrition entrepreneurs, which by the way is an awesome DPG, as you know, uh, yes. I love nutrition entrepreneurs, DPG. Um, and I was on a panel. Uh, there was five of us and we were uh, being interviewed about uh, working with brands, big brands, small brands, and everything in between. And I had, you know, said something like, well, I love diabetes. And it was funny because like some people in the audience were kind of laughing. Other people were like, what? And I, and I realize I, I, I say this a lot. And my family tells me, Melissa, you can't, you can't say that. It doesn't sound right. But it wasn't until I saw the audience's reaction that I, oh, yes, I just said I love diabetes. I know. Uh, <laughs> but you guys know what I mean. So yes. <laughs> I, I was, um, I think it was my first year in that outpatient job. And I was, I covered for a colleague in our Joslyn Center for Diabetes. And my boss was like, Hey, Michelle's going on maternity leave. I want you to go over there and cover for her. I'm like, okay. Just like when she was like, who's going to be on TV? I'm like, I'll do it. You know, um, which by the way, she was the best boss ever. I love, I love her so much. Um, and so, uh, so I covered for this dietitian in the diabetes center. And that's when I realized I love diabetes education. I love working with a team. It was so, there was so much to learn. And yet the type of information and the educational aspect was so empowering for the patients. It was like this, this perfect world of, I get to really help people and really kind of talk about behavior change and feelings and reality, but also have all this like 
stimulation of the clinical side of my brain that's interested in medications and, you know, blood sugar monitoring and insulin pumps and all the research that, that comes out. So, and then that team aspect. Um, so I was really hooked then. But after working in that job for five years and moving on to the grocery store setting, I still was involved with diabetes. I did diabetes store tours, but I didn't do any more patients one-on-one. And then then I worked for the Dairy Council for eight years. Again, no, even less diabetes, no patient care. But throughout that whole time, I... I have always known I, I will go back to diabetes education in a team environment someday. I know that I will. Uh, and I've maintained my certification for 20 years, which I'm very proud of. It's not easy to do if you're not doing direct patient care. No. <laughs> and even if you are. Yeah. Um, so in fact, I, sh- I share this um, pretty openly. The first time I took the CTE exam, I failed it. It I didn't really know what I was getting into and I, it was hard. Um, so it is, it is a, a credential or certification that I am very proud of and, um, and very, um, very serious about. Uh, if, if I didn't, if I wasn't able to certify, I would say, well, um, if it's because I'm not seeing patients and that's what's, what is required, I respect that, you know? So, um, mm-hmm. after the Dairy Council, that's when, I became an entrepreneur and I like to say I'm the accidental entrepreneur because as I said earlier, you know, I, I didn't have a North star vision. I didn't have this desire to be an entrepreneur. Um, but there were some changes at work and at home that just kind of all came together at the same time to where I needed to be um, home more not home flexible, available. Um, my daughter who's going off to college is my stepdaughter. I had adopted her and, um, I just felt like she needed more of me and my son, um, was about two and a half at the time. And I just felt like my hands were really full. And, um, I just, I was like, not sure that I could do any more than I was doing, but I, but I needed to be doing more. So something was going to give. And uh, I decided to, well, with the strong encouragement of my husband to quit my full-time job. I was fortunate then to get a part-time job in diabetes education, which, you know, again, like hindsight's twenty twenty. Uh, that was the perfect opportunity and little carrot for me to leave my full-time job uh, and the security of health insurance and a regular paycheck and, you know, just having been in a job that I enjoyed for eight years and going from the known to the unknown, you know, it's a big, it's a big leap. And so um, I did this outpatient diabetes job for a little over a year and uh, loved it. But again, certain things kind of conspired for me to leave that job and just go completely on my own. And because I, I love diabetes education, but I didn't want to deal with the business side of it, insurance reimbursement, billing. And I didn't want to be on my own, like in a silo. I want to work with the team. So private practice just really was not an option for me. I mean, I, I, I thought about it. My brother-in-law is a physician um, in a clinic nearby. And I talked to him about maybe having some office hours there. And, you know, I, I um, in Chicago here, we have a really wonderful dietitian diabetes educator who is like the reimbursement and billing guru. Her name is Marianne Hedorowitz and she's a friend of mine. I spent over an hour on the phone with her just kind of talking about what would this look like? You know, why can't I just 
borrow a room at my you know brother-in-law's office and she walked me through all the legal stuff and i was like oh my gosh this is just daunting yeah so private practices was not that was not an option for me (laughs) and so i thought okay well then what do i do and the more I thought about it, you know, and I, and I, I mentor people on this. I'm like, think about what you enjoy. Think about what your skills are. Write them down on a big piece of paper and see where those, where you can connect those dots. And when I did that, you know, again, thinking I have all these media skills, but it's not my favorite thing to do. But my passion has always been to get more dietitian voices out there. It was like, aha, <laughs> I will help other dietitians do this. And I thought, well, nobody's really doing this like kind of full time. You know, there are a lot of dietitians who kind of do this on the side. So either nobody cares or it's a great opportunity that I can fill. And uh, that's kind of how the whole media training aspect started. And around that time is when I became an academy spokesperson. So it was interesting because I had a lot of people just seeing me as a spokesperson. And I kept saying, no, I want to train the spokespeople, you know? Um, and you know, I, I think it's been interesting. Like I feel now that I'm sort mm-hmm. of pigeonholed as a podcaster, which I am. And I'm proud of that, but I, I feel like it's hard to say, wait, what I really like to do is media training. <laughs> I mean, I like podcasting, but you know, it's, it's, it's kind of hard. Um, sure. it, you know, people kind of assume, Oh, well with your media, you, just want to be in front of the camera all the time. And I'm like, no, I'll help you be in front of the camera. Like, no, <laughs> no, not really. So. Well, that's good to know about. I mean, I think that's a good thing that you're sharing that because I would think most people would see you as a podcaster, but I know you more of being the speaker and the media trainer. So I like that you're sharing that part of your story. Okay. Well, I'm glad to. To know that's how you see me. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do because that's, I mean, I know that I've learned just from, you know, like you have great resources, like you mentioned on your website and just your videos. And um, I remember when you were a media spokesperson and watching, I know when I was starting doing media that I watched your stuff because it helped teach me before I had good training to do TV. Oh, good. Okay. That makes me feel good. I didn't know if you ever knew that. Good. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think I did. Well, good. That is why no, I put it out know, there is because I do want. It. Yes, because you know how it is. Even as a podcaster, I know you can relate to this. Is you kind of put your stuff out there, knowing some people are just going to judge it, but you're going to help a lot more people than you know being than hiding it because you don't want to be judged. Exactly. Exactly. And you're always going to have. You're all, you're always first of all your worst critic yourself, but then you're always going to have those people that nudge you and offer their own criticism. But you just have to do it because you are helping the greater good. Yeah, and hopefully none of that even really is visible to you. You yes. know, yes, that you don't even have to deal with it. Now, I will say, as a speaker, oh goodness, there some of those speaker evaluations are painful. They are. Oof. which that makes me sound like a horrible speaker i get consistently excellent ratings and i'm not trying to boast but i am really proud of that um because you try you put so much work i mean i've done 
I'm much more comfortable doing a three minute TV segment than I am doing a presentation. I mean, you've seen me, you've seen me speak. I I prefer, Mm -hmm. like I said, the facilitation, like a workshop setting versus a presentation, but I've used my TV skills to help myself be a better speaker. And that's why I know that it can help because not every dietitian is going to do on camera TV or videos or even, you know, media interviews in general, but almost every dietitian is going to do a presentation at some point. So that's what I really feel like making that transition from, okay, this is how you can be a better speaker. But, you know, it it is, it's a lot of work and you put a lot into it. And the reason you're doing it is to help the people in the audience. And constructive criticism is fine, but I've had some comments from people like, the worst one ever was, your dress rides up in the back. Ah. And I thought, what? How is is that helping me? Oh my God. Now I feel self-conscious about not junk in the trunk, you know, but uh, (laughs) yeah. So I just, people out there, when you fill out your evaluations, just try to be nice, be constructive, but be nice. But yeah, so it is, you know, it is a fine line, like putting yourself out there and sort of having that, I don't want to say grit, but having enough um, self-compassion and uh, um, uh, outer shell, you know, tough, tough skin that you're not going to let those things get in the way of you trying to help other people. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, now, and then we're talking about this and it's right before fancy. You're probably like getting nervous. You're like, oh, no. So, like, so, I mean, and this is what, this is how I help other dietitian speakers is I'm like, just remember you are helping people. The people in the audience are not there to waste their time. They're not hoping that you screw up. They want it to be valuable. And so if you do your due diligence and think about your audience and make sure you're not trying to cram too much information down their throats and you're making it as interesting as possible and you're really providing value then you've done your job. And yes, the speaker evaluations, hopefully you can learn from that. It's, you know, I try not to look at it as, oh, oh, I did a good job, pat on the back, or oh, yeah, I really screwed up. Because I, I have a pretty good feeling about the, the work that I put into it and how it went, you know, some days I'm more on than others and that's just life. But if I get a good night's sleep, I have better chance of being, you know, being a, a, a dynamic speaker. And I, I have a pretty good feeling when I'm done and I don't get those speaker evaluations for what, sometimes a month. Um, so I have a pretty good feeling. Uh, do I feel good that I, did I put enough work into this? Did I try to make it fun? Did I provide enough value? Did the audience seem engaged? And then the speaker evaluations, you know, is kind of like one piece of that puzzle. Kind of like the wrapping up to move you forward to the next experience. Yeah. And again, like what could you learn from it? And, and, and that's what I try to think of when I fill out a speaker evaluation is, you know, yeah, is there anything that I think I could say to them that would help them do better next time? Um, something that, you know, they may not be aware of. 
that they're doing that if they were more aware of, you know, again, not to make them too self-conscious, but, you know, I've done this before where I didn't realize I was holding a piece of paper and my mom happened to be in the audience and, and she's like, why were you holding that paper? Cause I talk with my hands. So you add a piece of paper to that. It's not good. And I'm like, Oh yeah. How distracting, you know, and just something like that. Okay. Make sure there's not a piece of paper in my hand or, you know, anything. that's helpful. Yes, yeah. absolutely. So when you talk about, you know, like you said, you don't want to, your podcasting is just part of who you are and what you do. How did you, what do you want your listeners to get from your podcast and how do you kind of approach how you pick your guests? Yeah, well, I started the podcast because I really wanted to clear up misinformation, not necessarily in the news, but just out there. Um and so I, I don't know if you know this, I think you do, but a lot of people don't, but I had a podcast that I started with another dietitian. We were co-hosting um, four years ago and that lasted about six months. She got real busy and we hadn't yet gotten to the point we wanted to interview people interview experts. And we hadn't gotten to that point yet. And as you know, the technology for that is a whole other layer. So I thought, you know, I'm not, I'm not done with this yet. I want to learn more. And I really want to interview people because that in my gut, I felt like, Oh, I don't want to just talk all the time. Who wants to listen to me? I, I want to talk to interesting people, you know, like hard on yourself, but it just wasn't, that interesting to me. So, and originally I thought with this co-host, we kind of had different approaches to nutrition. So I thought if we're both wearing our big girl panties, we can handle like maybe having a little bit of, you know, uh, healthy banter, you know, <laughs> banter, right. You know, like make it a little interesting. It just, you know, it just kind of didn't, didn't happen. Um, but so then I, put some, you know, effort and time into learning more about podcasting and thinking about what I would want my show to be an interview, interview based and so on. And launched about, uh, launched this podcast, Sound Bites, about three years ago. And, uh, my whole, you know, it's interesting. I, I you, you kind of get out there and you do it. And it evolves over time. And, and, you know, that could be for podcasting. It could be for blogging. It could be anything where you're kind of developing your voice and building your brand. Uh, so, but, you know, initially I thought, oh, yeah, I just, I want to talk about the science, but I want it to be helpful for people. And I want to kind of set the record straight on some things. And so I just thought, okay, well, what topics am I interested in? I'm interested in protein. I'm interested in agriculture. I'm interested in diabetes. Uh, maybe, a l excuse me, maybe a little bit about weight or um, family nutrition, or maybe a little bit about eating disorders. You know, I was kind of dabbling with, with some of that. And over time, I just realized, you know, certain topics are more interesting to me than others. It's still a variety, but I, what I, my tagline is that, you know, I, like I said, I interview experts, many of which are dietitians, but they could be researchers, authors, um, exercise, uh, physiologists, um, food ethnographers, food historians, um, you know, doctors, you know, kind of any expert in the health and wellness field, 
or I should say food and nutrition um, primarily. And I delve into the science, the psychology, and the strategies behind good food and nutrition, which is really a parallel to my business, Sound Bites, which um, is where I promote sound science, smart nutrition, and good food. And so what I'm trying to do is this trifecta of it's got to be science-based, evidence-based, credible information. It has to be like realistic, actionable uh, information and tips that people could, you know, like, hey, I could try that or I could do that. And it has to kind of celebrate the enjoyment of food. It has to be about good food or it has to be, you know, enjoying your food with health in mind. So I just feel like all three of those aspects are, are really important. And some guests and some topics and episodes lend themselves more to the science part. I kind of like, I like the psychology part. Talking to like food and ag econ people is really when I start getting all interested, like consumer insights. And, you know, people yes. say this, but this is what they're doing is fascinating to me. Uh, especially having been, you know, the beginning of my career, uh, the first decade or so dealing with patients, clients, customers, people like directly, and then kind of going a step away and dealing, you know, with health professionals, peers, and the media, I, I, I miss that direct connection to people uh, because I feel like a lot of what we hear and see in media and social media is is really, I don't want to say like, uh, um, how do you say, like a, not infighting or like a, it's like in a bubble. Like, I just don't feel like that's what the average person thinks about every yeah, day. I would agree you know? with you on that. I don't think the average person walking down the street cares about keto no. <laughs> or any of this other stuff. However, having said that, I mean, I know a couple people who are doing it. So yeah, it's not that it's, you know, I just, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm trying to reach more of, I, don't, I hate saying like the average show, but I don't know. I don't know another way to say it, but like mm -hmm. more of the typical average person who has like, gee, you know, should I buy organic produce because of the pesticides? Or, you know, do I need to worry about GMOs? Or, um, gosh, you know, I just did a, a podcast on grains, which I thought I'm going to really have to explain to people why this is not a boring topic. Because <laughs> the woman I interviewed was is so fascinating. It's like my longest episode. I sometimes do these hidden tracks and her hidden track is like 30 minutes long because she kind of gives me a chemistry lesson. But she, oh, she Julie Jones is a researcher, speak, international speaker, one of the most fascinating people I've ever met, uh, PhD in nutrition. And it's like people like that, that I could talk to all day long and say, well, what about this? Well, what about that? Mm -hmm. And um, tell you what, she makes the, the topic of, of grains very interesting. interesting. <laughs> Which you would think, grains, grains, whatever, I don't know. <laughs> But it's what people, what people are, that's the kind of like the GMOs, organic grains, they hear all these buzzwords, but they really don't pay enough attention to it to understand it. So that's why I think your podcast is great because it does help people that are just having those thoughts in their head, try to understand how it would work well for them and their family. Yeah. And a fair number, you know, as a podcaster, you know, this, it, it, we never really know how many subscribers we have. We can see our downloads, but we don't know how many subscribers there are. There's no way to tell. And unless you survey your audience, which I do at least once a year, 
Um, but even then, you don't know for sure. What's your demographic breakdown? I think a fair number of my listeners are dietitians. So I've always struggled with that in my own business. I feel like I'm speaking to my peers, dietitians and other health professionals, but I'm also speaking to the public. And I feel like sometimes that can get a little confusing or, well, I, I don't want to be share too much scientific jargon because... I, I need to be more clear, but at the same time, I think that the people listening to my podcast or reading my blog might have a higher level of nutrition interest and maybe mm-hmm. be familiar with those terms. But I think at the end of the day, you know, we're dietitians, we're still consumers and, you know, the public, the consumer, you know, again, might have a really high level of interest in nutrition. So I feel like if people like what I'm putting out, they'll listen. And if they don't, they won't. And I try to leave it at that. And that's good. (laughs) (laughs) The perfect way to be because again, like you're doing your best to help the public. So that's all that matters. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, Yeah, I figure if they're interested in it, you know, these are topics that I'm interested in. And and again, as, as you know, if if you're interested in it, then it's you can make it interesting to others, you know. Uh, but if you're not interested in it, nobody's going to care. That's very true. That's very again. That energy is contagious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, what is besides Fancy? Besides your presentation coming up, what are some things that you're kind of working on or looking forward to working on in the future for yourself? Well. Um, that's a good question. I'm so focused on this like next week uh, with my daughter going <laughs> off to your college. Daughter to college. <laughs> yes, I have some some fun business trips coming up, um, which is which is great. I, I know you you enjoy going on farm tours, as do I. Yes. And I would say that that's just one of my favorite things to do is to to go on these farm tours, whether it's you know, a crop farm or an animal farm and to learn more about food production, farming practices, modern day farming. And there's so much science and geeking out I get to do on that. And, and then kind of bringing it full circle to the the food aspect. Um, You know, I'm, I'm not a real culinary person, but I do cook and I eat. So, you know, those things still do, do matter to me. And, uh, I feel like that's also what I try to convey. I have a do more with dinner initiative where I'm like, Hey, how, how can we, how can we do more with dinner? Whether it's making a healthier recipe or incorporating more fruits and vegetables or cutting down on food waste, you know, but I just things that I think everybody sort of, um, you know, goes through in their, um, day to day life. Like, oh, what do I make for dinner? But without taking it to the level of, creating a recipe and taking a pretty picture of it. You know, it's just, it's not my thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'm turning 50 soon. So one of the things I'm working on is personal. I want to do a ballroom dance competition. Be- well, it was supposed to be before then, before my birthday, but I have to do a different one now because I had a, a business conflict. Um So yeah, so um, it'll be shortly after I turn 50 where I'm I'm supposed to be doing this ballroom dance competition. So that's going to be fun. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to kind of wrapping up 2018. Um, It's been a great year, um, but I have, um, 
I have to kind of see what I want 2019 to look like because this this has been like a, a different year. Just trying to make the transition with with my daughter leaving and um, sure. yeah, so, you know, trying not to travel as much. Which as a speaker and a trainer and attending farm tours, uh, there is quite a bit of travel, uh, and you know. Uh, some places are more exciting than others, but, uh, yeah. So, (laughs) but that's where I get to see a lot of great speakers that I end up, you you had asked this question on it. I don't know if I fully answered it, but that's where I get a lot of my podcast guests is I see them speak at some of these conferences or on these farm tours. And I'm just fascinated by their depth of knowledge in a certain area. And I just know that I can just sit down with them at the microphone and you know, virtually and, and just say, okay, Let's talk it out. give us a, give us a yeah. lowdown. Like you, you geek out on your stuff and we can like benefit from it. So that's what I really love to do. That sounds like it sounds exciting. I would never guess that you're turning 50. So that's a really (laughs) I love that. And I loved hearing dietitians have other goals besides dietitian stuff, (laughs) because I think it's good (laughs) to have, you know, personal goals because you need those too to help you stay well rounded. Yeah. Hashtag goals. Yeah. Hashtag goals. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, so I answered you. I, I absolutely enjoyed all that you shared with me. And I hope that, um, you know, my listeners do reach out and kind of check out your website and check out all the great information you have on your website, as well as listen to your podcast, because you are a wealth of information that all dietitians should be tapping into. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, I do have, as you, as you said, I have a lot of free information about communications um, on my blog. There's actually a section. Um, if you go to the blog page, and you scroll down to the categories, there's a how-to series for dietitians. And they're kind of evergreen. So, um, you know, anything from pitching the media to should you speak for free or not. There's some stuff in there about podcasting and videos. Uh, you know, I, I try to add to it um, as often as I can. And I'm also, I hate to like put a teaser out there, but I'm working on other content in that vein that I, that I want to share with dietitians as well. And yeah, so definitely connect with me on social media, reach out to me. I I love to, to help anybody who is trying to get their dietitian voice out there. Absolutely. And I'll put all your, I'll put all your links in the show notes as well. So people can find you on all your social media outlets too. So I appreciate our conversation. I always love to interview like the the podcast lady who got me into podcasting because that's so true. Uh, I'm so happy to hear that. Thank you. <laughs> well, I have some fun questions for you before I let oh, you go okay. since you answered all the hard ones. So share with me some of your favorite foods that you enjoy. Now, see, this is the hard stuff. Those were the easy questions. I know. That's what These everyone says. <laughs> oh, gosh. So, um... I mean, everybody knows I like brownies, especially at breakfast. <laughs> um, so that's like something everybody knows. Uh, I, you know what? I love like pepperoni pizza, sushi, cheese, you know, sharp cheddar cheese. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, those, those sound delicious. Those things that come those. to mind. Yeah, yeah, all I'm those getting for breakfast. <laughs> no, no, no. And I don't, it's not. You know, I, it's like a dream of having a brownie for breakfast. I don't do that very often. <laughs> I have, but I try not to. I think on your um, 50th yeah. birthday, you should. Yeah, there you go. Well, you know, that is kind of like 
what happens if we do have you know birthday cake or you know my kids know you just make me a pan of brownies for my birthday or mother's day i'm good but yeah that, <laughs> then that is when i do end up having <laughs> for breakfast because we have good. it <laughs> do you have a favorite beverage or beverages that you enjoy so this one's a little easier to answer. This is a strange thing about me. People who know me really well know this and make fun of me. If you see me at a conference or, you know, fancy or whatever, and we're in a session or we're at a restaurant, I like a lot of beverages. So I'll be that person. I've met a couple other people like this. I will have a glass of water. I will have a Diet Pepsi. I will have a Chardonnay. And I might even have... A decaf coffee. Uh, <laughs> yes. All at the same time. I'm kind of strange with, and right now, like I've got a thing of water. You know, of course, I always have to have water when I'm podcasting and a Diet Pepsi and a decaf coffee. <laughs> you like options. <laughs> I like, I just like my liquids. <laughs> You're always hydrated. That's good. I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have a favorite color or colors? I would have to say orange. Um, so my brand colors are orange, red, and green. And um, the orange is, is something that like was my school mascot color um, in uh-huh. high school and also a college one. And uh, it, it's it's a color that when I wear it, I get a lot of compliments and not a lot of people wear orange. And so True. I just I, like, wow, whenever I wear orange, I get compliments. So I just started wearing it more. And yeah. It's a happy color. For me. I like that. Well, that makes sense now of where that comes from on your on your website. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you'll see like almost all of my media images, like especially TV, I'm wearing red, like or a version of red. And it's because I just it's funny. One of my first media trainers told me not to wear red, like, you know, white. We know white and like stripes and busy patterns, not good on camera. But somebody had said not red. And but I wore it one time and I just thought, wow, I look a lot better in red than I do in like blues or, you know, other colors. So yeah, you'll notice like a lot of my media shots now have where I'm wearing red. <laughs> I'll have to pay attention to that. I like red. I think it looks good on yeah. in, in mm-hmm. media. Do you have a favorite scent or smell? Um, I just like clean smelling things. Um, I hate it when like I'm on a flight or I'm in an enclosed space and somebody's wearing like a really powerful perfume or cologne mm-hmm. because I yes. feel like, oh, I'm going to get nauseous. Like I, I tend to get motion sickness anyway. So in a plane or a bus or something, oh. I'm just like already like, oh, I need fresh air. Um, so yeah, I like the <laughs> smell of fresh air. <laughs> Just fresh air. That's a guy. I think that I always keep that in mind when I travel, like yeah. not to have anything that's too overpowering because it is it's mm-hmm. hard on some people. Uh, and what brings you joy in life? Well, my family. Um, yes, they're a source of stress, but they really do. <laughs> I got to be honest. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Um, but they they bring me so much joy and comfort like they make me laugh um i'm i'm kind of i want to say i'm a little high strung <laughs> um high energy like <laughs> yeah like i, I, I don't want to be yes. 
negative, but you know, I, I know I run a little high. Okay. I run a little high, which, but I'm not type A. Okay. I'm maybe a B plus like, so, cause I'm not like perfectionistic or control. I have a lot of energy and like, I'm not that person to be like sitting on the couch watching a bunch of TV. Now I love movies. I love videos, but I would choose a lot of other things before that. So they get me to sort of like slow down and have fun and laugh. And I need that. You know, my husband's always cracking jokes. My daughter is the most hilarious person in the family. I'm really worried about when she leaves because, (laughs) oh my gosh, she just cracks me up so much. Um, So yeah. And I just feel like when I'm stressed out and you know, having a little trouble breathing. I just like, you know, my family gives me so much comfort. And so when I'm irritated with them, I just remind myself that, that they're, you know, they're really there for me and they, they get me and they might tease me about certain things, um, you know, and get frustrated with me as well, but they, they are there for me and that brings me joy. Well, and I, and I can see that in the photos that you post and all the things that you share mm-hmm. in your social media with your family. It's, you have a beautiful family. Well, thank you. I'm very, very blessed. Um, uh, I was an older, older quote unquote mom. Um, I, so, you know, as I said, I adopted my daughter from my husband's first marriage and this is both of our second marriage. And I, when I had my son, I was almost 40 years old. And so, yeah, I waited a long time. And I think that's part of why, like with my daughter going off to college, I, I haven't had her for 18 years. I, I think I can only imagine some parents, it just might seem as more of like, okay, you know, we've had this whole journey and, it's not that I'm not ready for her to leave. I am, but, mm-hmm. but it, I think I would feel like I've only had 11 years with her. So it feels sure. like, thank God my son is only 10 because I feel like I need more time, you know, and I try to make the most of that time. And, and, and you know, and that kind of comes back to me becoming an entrepreneur was really because I had waited so long to be a parent and I mean, the way, you know, I did, I don't mean to be like cryptic about all the changes going on, but it was just enough to like make me stop and think, do I, I have this opportunity now to be present as scary as it was for me to walk away from my full-time job. I, I knew that I had to sort of like just walk through that fear and that it was the right thing for me to, to be more present, um, with my, with my family. And I'm not, you know, I'm not judging what other people, what other people do or their choices. It just oh, sure. was because of everything that, that had happened. Um, like I, I just had to do it and I knew that I wouldn't regret it. I knew it wasn't going to be easy. Um, but, uh, that, that I, I needed to do that. So I'm glad that I did. And, you know, I, who knew I, I would enjoy doing, the media training and the podcasting and all the social media stuff that I do. And I will say I have met so many people like you that that has been such an unexpected benefit of getting involved as like, you know, an academy spokesperson or working with like being, I was on the nutrition entrepreneurs board. I was a speakers and media chair for several years, like just really getting to know colleagues of ours across the country and becoming friends, that has really been wonderful and unexpected. 
And I think you need that as an entrepreneur because you are kind of on your own. Mm -hmm. So it's great to have those unexpected friendships that you never would have gotten if you wouldn't have done it. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And being with your family, which is very important. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for all your time today and all your knowledge you've shared. And I look forward to your presentation at Fency and all the things that are coming up for you. Thank you so much. I look forward to seeing you there. And thank you for just even just reaching out and and asking me to be on your show. It's a great show and you're doing a lot of great work. You're helping a lot of people. And yeah, hopefully the stories and information that I've shared will help others as well. Thank you so much. Have a good day. Thank you. You too. If you are attending Fenty this week, make sure to attend Melissa and Kate with Dietitian Connections session on podcasting. I know it's going to be amazing. And like Melissa said, she offers a ton of free resources on her website when it comes to all things nutrition communications. If you'd like to get more involved in this area of dietetics, her resources are something you must tap into. My website, AnnaElizabethRD.com, is where you can read my latest blog post on the Nutritional Nauseous blog that houses all the stories of my current adventures, food I am eating and noshing on, and the jams that are making up my music playlist of the week. I might also share a recipe that I'm attempting to cook in my kitchen. And as always, I like you to know what I'm loving right now. You can find all my previous podcasts, show notes, and links to things we talked about during all my conversations with these inspiring humans. I hope you love to read because I have an awesome book that you can purchase from my website. And I hope that we can connect more by joining forces on our social media sites and find me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest at AnnaElizabethRD. Remember to be great always, find the joy in each day, and to start a conversation that truly matters.